Welcome to Cooper and Company, where politics meets people. We are so excited that you have taken time out of your busy schedule to join us. And the mission of this podcast is to engage, inspire, educate, and entertain. I hope the conversations that I have with today's trailblazers in education, business, politics, community engagement, international policy, and more inspire you to do more with the resources and the platforms that you have. That being said, today's episode is brought to you by 1-800-FLORALS. Flowers are always a thoughtful and personal way to convey your love, friendship, or support. It is an ageless expression of caring, and sending flowers online is so easy using the link provided in our show notes. You can also select from their year-round flower arrangements, fresh autumn flowers and favorites, cheery birthday bouquets, and a thoughtful anniversary gift. By the way, I want to say thank you to our associate producer, Cindy Lynn, for assisting me in this whole podcast production. By the end of February, leaders across the globe were looking at the same facts. An invisible and dangerous enemy was fast approaching. COVID-19 was highly contagious, unpredictable, and deadly, even with an aggressive public policy response in China. Leaders of cities, states, and countries faced an unprecedented test. The ones who pass this test with flying colors are disproportionately led by women. This is despite the fact that they make up only 7% of heads of states. How can women begin to step into leadership roles that will have a direct impact in their schools, in their communities, in our politics, and in business? Today's guest is Lori Halverson. Lori is a conservative activist in Montgomery County and an educated advocate for over 10 years. She served as a PTA leader at the local and county levels, a Maryland State Board of Education member, and is currently serving on the Montgomery County Board of Licensed Commissioners and president of the Chevy Chase Women's Republican Club, the largest women's Republican club in Maryland, which I'm also a member. Ms. Halverson ran for MCPS Board of Election in 2014 and ran for state delegate for Legislative District 15. She led advocacy issues such as grading policies, pedestrian safety, indoor air quality, school resource officers, bullying, school discipline policies, gang prevention, and the maintenance of school buildings. She was involved in MCPS Charter Review Committee that led to the approval of the only charter school application that was approved by MCPS. Lori has a BA in Business Administration from the University of Kentucky. She is a 2013 Leadership Montgomery graduate, widowed in 2015 from a husband of almost 23 years. She has two grown sons who were educated through MCPS. And so for those of you who are joining us from around the globe, Montgomery County Public School Systems. She enjoys helping Boy Scouts as Merit Badge Counselor for Citizenship in the community. Let's give a warm welcome to Miss Lori Halverson. Yay! 
Maria. Thank you so much, Bridget. I really appreciate being on your podcast. I'm so excited to have you. I really am. And we know, um, like I stated in the introduction, that you are president of Chevy Chase Women's Republican Club, which mm-hmm. leads a women's political organization of 200 members under the umbrella of the National Federation of Republican Women. Can yeah. you please tell us a little bit more about this club and why you decided to take a role in the political club for women? Yes, well, um, for those who are not in Montgomery County, uh, being a Republican is, is pretty much like being a minority um, with, um, because there's such a small percentage of people in the county that are Republicans. I got involved in uh, Chevy Chase Women's Republican Club when a lady overheard my conversation. Um, she happened to be the president. Uh, her name's Nancy Griffin. And she heard me hey, talking to, to another, um, another lady who was running for Board of Ed. And she could tell I was a Republican, by the way, I was speaking, and she invited me to one of her events called Let's Talk Politics. And, uh, and so that's how it started. I got involved, and I really enjoyed being a member and got involved uh, on the board. And, uh, and now I'm the president. So <laughs> actually, my president role ends at the end of this year. Uh, then be, be, I'll be a president for two years. So, so it's, a good, it's a great organization because... We do a lot to try to encourage women to run uh, for office, and we also raise have fundraisers to help donate to candidates in our local races. We encourage people to register to vote as well, uh, and we we coordinate with the uh, local Montgomery County GOP uh, to try to get people out to vote and do a, you know, a lot of things to try to uh, push issues that we care about. Uh, so currently there um, are um, a number of, of issues that we are excited about that'll be on the, the, the ballot this, this November. So we are excited about that, but, but we still uh, have a long way to go in our County. <laughs> so I feel kind of uh, like it's my, I, I enjoy being an underdog here and trying to encourage more involvement in the, conservative, um, you know, in Republican politics. Yeah, I think it's so important. And one of the first um, meetings or um, events that I went to was Let's Talk Politics. Mm -hmm. And I just loved it. It was a really great way for me to get to know people. And one of the things that I definitely came away with um, was the fact that, like you said, it's nice to be around other like-minded women who share the same goals and values. And even if you feel like there's so much more to learn or you aren't quite where you want to be. I mean, when I joined the club, I was actually running for Congress. um, I think it was 2018. It was just a really great experience for me. And I had so much to learn, but everyone in the club was so encouraging and they knew I had a lot to learn, but they still were kind of like, you know, let me, let me help you along. Let, what do you think about this? They would help flush out some of my thoughts and ideas. And um, we have ladies in our club that are, uh, have been involved in, in one of our um, members was in three presidential uh, administrations working in the white house. Um, and another lady worked for Reagan as a speechwriter. And, um, you know, it's just, I'm inspired by a lot of these mm-hmm. women who have, have worked uh, in politics 
A recent study asked both men and women to identify a leader they admire, and 80% picked a man. Dr. Abby Griffith Oliver, assistant professor at College of Business at Georgia State University, researches how people respond to female leaders. Oliver replicates this experiment every single year in her class, and only about 5% of her students, both men and women, identify a female leader, and it's usually Mother Teresa. (laughs) So why do you think people associate women less as leaders? I was thinking Margaret Thatcher. Um, I think she was uh, an excellent leader because she had, I, Definitely. I think people associate women as nurturers, not so much as leaders, but mm. it, a woman uh, can be a nurturer and a good leader um, at both. It can be, um, uh, but maybe it's because in the past there just been, we don't have any women presidents in our country. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's the way it is today. And we can, we're working to change that. I think people need to maybe change their views on really what a leader is. What do you think we can do as far as improving just the conditions for women leaders? And what do you think of some of the areas that are lacking if a woman wants to step up to become a leader? What type of support do you think she should have in place? I am impressed with some of the things that Ivanka Trump has been working on uh, that I might have disagreed with in the past. Uh, I do think we do need some more assistance with, uh, as women are working in the workplace, we need help with how do you juggle your children and your job? And how can you stay in at work and I had a career and I stopped working to have children. So I've been a stay-at-home mom, but I have found other ways to be involved as a leader and through volunteer work. You know, it's not necessarily being a leader does not have to be being a CEO of a company. There are a lot of ways you can be a leader in your community. So that's what I have been doing and focusing on and it's helped me grow. And so I I think uh, that way for me, I was able to juggle my children, staying at home, feel like I was contributing to, to my community by uh, being a PTA leader. Uh, I got involved in my church as a board member of our preschool. And, uh, you know, I just did a lot of things in the community that really helped me grow. And I can take that experience into the workplace if I choose to, but it's, it's a struggle. Women have to decide, you know, you have to make decisions on, I, I really, I really don't think you can make it all work easily. There is a, you do have to juggle with the, with your, if you have a spouse, sometimes there are a lot of single women who don't have that, you know, someone to help you with your children, but it is a struggle with balancing your work and balancing your home life. Um, and it, it's, it's something we, that I think yeah. women have to do more than the men still. Uh, men still feel like they just have to work and don't have to right. do nurturing. So that's, it's still like that. And maybe it always will be like that because we're the ones who give birth. But I also think, don't you think that a lot of it has to do with setting boundaries and being real with themselves and not feeling bad that I can't do X, Y, and Z. I can do X and Y, but I will have to, you know, hold off on Z until next week. And that's a hard thing. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And I think women, like you said, we're nurturers, so we think we can do it all. And we're just kind of conditioned to be like that. What influence did your husband have on you as as a leader in your community? He seems like he had a a really 
great yes. impact on your life. And how did you continue in leadership um, after he passed? Yeah, I was actually very shy. I used to be a, a kid in school who would was afraid to look up at people walking through the halls and was always looking on the floor <laughs> as I was walking from class to class. Um, and it wasn't until college where I started to feel a little more confident in myself. But when I was married, I wasn't really thinking about being a leader. I had worked um, in the workplace. I was a senior analyst and also worked for a, uh, in human resources for about 10 years. I, I worked. But then when I got married, uh, I, you know, I still hadn't been, a, I would say, a leader um, in anything. And I remember when I joined the mom's club with um, my husband said, well, how do you get on the board? And I'm like, well, what, what, why, why would I want to be on the board? He's like, well, you should try to see what, what you need to do to be on the board. So I asked the president and she's like, we'd love to have you on our board. And so uh, I was elected to the board uh, that year. And from that point forward, I kept getting more involved and my husband would just keep pushing me a little bit. I mean, a little bit out of my comfort zone because it's not really, uh, and maybe all women, maybe not all women, but I just think a lot of people feel that they don't want to push them. They don't want to like say, hey, I raise my hand, I'll be the leader. But uh, I have found that when I am a leader in a, in, of a group of my PTA um, or another group, I, I grow. I really learn a lot and, and grow from that leadership experience. Uh, and sometimes people may not think I'm, I'm qualified to do it. Uh, when I ran for delegate, uh, someone said, how could you, how could you even run for delegate? A woman told me that. Oh well, yeah. I, I, I got that a lot. Run for delegate when she says, you only know about education. Cause I, I was a PTA leader for 10 mm-hmm. years. And then I decided to go into the political arena and run for state delegate. And she just didn't think I was qualified because I hadn't been in politics or I hadn't um, really been working on uh, other issues besides education issues. So, you know, that just kind of shocked me that uh, a woman would, would just assume, just tell me that, uh, how, how could you do this? In the back so, of your mind, were you thinking, because I can? Yeah, well, <laughs> That's you usually know what, what goes on in the back of my mind whenever yes, someone says, it's, says it's something It's important like that. for women to support other women. Yeah, I and, agree. And, and I think actually there was a little jealousy in that because I think she was probably afraid to move ahead in her, um, you know, in, in, and try to run for something. Right. Possibly. I don't know, but I just, uh, it's, we, women need to support other women and encourage women to be leaders. You know, women do. It's it's just a matter of supporting each other. And, and um, you, you also need to get, you do need to have experience. Like I I know it helped me to have community experience to, you know, to run for, uh, for office, Yeah, uh, you know, and that was very important. I think to have been involved in the community. I, I had, been in a what's called leadership Montgomery class for a for a nine month course where you learn about how the county runs. Uh, you learn you you talk to the policemen, you shadow the fire department, you fly oh, over the uh, the county to see what the differences are between uh, Potomac and and Germantown, and you know it's it was it was really inspiring to uh, to be part of that and to network with all the people there. So so. Um, it's important to get involved in your community if you're going to run for office. Um, yeah. And, it, and everything adds up. So I yes, think people yes. think you have to have this big, long roster of things, but people don't realize that the more you volunteer, 
mm-hmm. or the more you get involved, those things just kind of add up. So when you're ready to run for any type of office or maybe a board that you have that experience and it's kind of like, oh, right, I did that. Oh, right, I did and, that. And, you know, if you are uh, working in a, uh, you know, have a full-time job, there's still ways you can get that community experience. Um, the League of Women Voters, um, uh, you know, just get involved in, in some kind of community involvement or ask, uh, learn about how to be appointed to a committee in your county. There are many, many positions that the executive, uh, are, that our county executive appoints people to. Um, I'm currently serving on the, on the county liquor board and um, was appointed, but you know, you can ask about it because sometimes, you know, a lot of these positions don't pay anything, but you do learn a lot and you get to know other people and network that way. So, Um, uh, you know what, you mentioned that you were a PTA leader and I also was PTA president. Um, Yeah. So we have that in common. So there are many (laughs) ways that you've been actually like this silent mentor for me because I'm always kind of like, well, what's Lori doing? What would she do? How, you know, and you've been a really great role model for me. I really respect everything that you've done in the organization, in the club and just reading your bio. Uh, But as a PTA leader, I don't even know if you realize this. So I want you to share the positive outcome of, I think there was an experience you had where you wrote a letter about your concerns with the state's discipline policy, and it led to a parent leadership group with the NAACP Parents Council, Asian Americans, and also the Latino parents. What positive outcome came out of that letter and what prompted you um, to do this? And do you think you kind of got the chutzpah to write this letter because of, you know, you slowly getting into leadership positions and being able to be a voice for so many people that, and parents that really didn't have a voice. And I thought that was the, one of the best um, scenarios that when I was reading, I was like, oh my gosh, she doesn't even realize. And I'll tell you about the rest (laughs) later, but go ahead. Well, um, share. (laughs) Well, uh, the, the, the state had a new discipline policy that was quite, uh, I was, I wasn't, I was concerned about it because it was just didn't have boundaries for kids. I think kids need boundaries and know, to know what, uh, what, what discipline you get for what kind of uh, behavior. And uh, they also had a strange policy that if a school district had, or a school, if they have a disparity between the number of white kids that, get suspended versus the number of black kids that get suspended, that that is, um, that, 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 that means that there's mistreatment of, of the minorities and that there needs to be a plan to close the gap within three years. I wrote a letter and had, it was on behalf of the County Council of PTAs or the, the Montgomery County Council of PTAs. When I submitted the letter, the NAACP Parents Council very, was very upset with uh, especially something that I wrote. I wrote that, um, I said, there's disparity data that was being used to prove that a certain group of minority students are being mistreated. This disparity data is being used to prove that a certain group of minority students are being mistreated. However, I found a study from the University of Rochester, and I had spoken with the man who wrote the study, and he, was, he had data to prove that uh, kids are not treated differently when they misbehave, and that a majority of African-American and Hispanic students grow up in tough circumstances that increase the risk of misbehavior. 
suspending a highly disruptive child from a classroom helps other students to learn better. Uh, because if you have someone in a, who's very disrupted in the class, so it's better to have them removed from the class. And it led to, they call it study circle. It's when you have, um, you know, different ethnic groups get together and talk about our differences. And we developed a pretty good bond with each other and got to know each other and help, and it helped to understand where they were coming from. And I think they understood better where I was coming from. And, you know, and it led to further discussions. I think from that, we got more leaders in our, in our uh, PTA who were from the Hispanic community who normally, so anyway, so I, I mean, it helped, it helped to just talk with each other and have a better understanding of where each of us are coming from. You're coming forward and writing this letter uh, from mm-hmm. one viewpoint and then creating this whole leadership and communication platform for parents of all ethnic backgrounds yes. uh, to come together and talk about it. That spurred on um, in our, in our, my daughter's school, um, the courageous conversations. It helped because it showed us that these are cr- conversations you have to have and that people are just now learning, but I mean, this was back in 2015 that, you know, we had been going through just making sure that everyone is heard. But the cool thing is that you led the way with all of that. So if you hadn't taken upon yourself to -hmm. write this letter that maybe some people were against it, and then for everyone to have to come together and say, you know what, we can ignore these conversations all we want, but it's important that we understand that these are the conversations that are happening and that we have to continue to have in order to have safe schools, in order to have kids that are engaged and, and, uh, you know, just fully aware of everyone. And I think that, that um, I want you to share that story um, because that story impacted me as a PTA leader. So, so a few years later, even after that, here we have me being president and you were actually the catalyst of starting that type of conversation because we did being appointed in a leadership role in Maryland by governor Hogan. What is your experience as a leader in the state government? What does that mean to you? Like how, how has it been easy to get your job done? How has it been difficult? That kind of thing. Well, first I'd like to say that like just to be appointed to that was, I was, it was an honor to have that, um, to be appointed by the governor. And it, it started with being involved in small things and eventually, you know, being president of different organizations and then finally getting, uh, and, and I, and I didn't just get appointed because I was, they noticed me from afar. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I actually applied for the director of the position, uh, director of the state board of education position and then um, and talked to some people and said, Hey, I'm interested in that. And then they said, Oh, well, I I didn't have a master's degree. So I did not uh, fit the qualifications for that role, but I did. um, They said, well, let's, let's put your name forward for the state board of education. And I was interviewed and a year later I got pointed, which was really exciting because I figured that they just decided not to pick me. But so it took a whole year after my interview to be appointed. Um, but being on the, in that role was really exciting because of the people that were on the board. I mean, there were a lot of, you know, several of them are PhDs and coming from all over the state and uh, you know, a, a principal of a private school. I mean, really, really interesting people who all really deeply cared for children and trying to improve education. 
and I really enjoyed going to some of the training events. They would invite us to to listen in on the the psychologist meetings, or you know, we we got invited to different things and and going to some of the events for the for the teachers union. Understanding, I worked on a committee for uh, human trafficking, and I, I behind the scenes, Governor Hogan was working on that issue and did not have to publicize it, which was very impressed. I was impressed with that uh, because he was really working to help the human trafficking mm-hmm. problem that we have along the I-94-5 corridor uh, and was, was doing some incredible things to help those people in who are caught up in human trafficking and provide a safe place for them to be. So that was so impressive, um, you know, just, just seeing behind the scenes what's going on um, you know, at least a little bit. I was just very um, impressed with some of the um, work that I saw um, there. And, and I really, um, it, it was, I really learned a lot. And I would say it's the one job that you don't get paid anything to do, but it's a lot of work. And, <laughs> uh, and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and I, but I felt like I learned a lot from it and it was worth the experience. Oh, that's great. Um, so I know you're so passionate and you advocate for children and families. You were the president of Moms Club of Potomac, and I know you presided over monthly meetings for stay-at-home moms in Potomac and helping moms transition from career life to stay at home. Um, what are some of the difficulties home moms um, will face in your experience as they transition into maybe a career and then now they have to be home. And, you know, it's applicable even today because so many jobs have had to, you know, transition from a, an office to being at home, you know. So what do you think some of the difficulties and how can women be socially active even at home? Yeah, I, I think, uh, I know for me, when I worked, my identity was my job. And I just could not imagine myself doing anything else but working. So I think when you transition to having a baby, uh, you you have to change your thoughts about who you are. And, and your job is no longer number one priority, it's your child. So transitioning to that thought process where you're trying to where you do care about your job, but, and you want to do the same kind of work you were doing before. And um, with that same intensity, it's, you struggle because you can't, it's hard to do both. You, I, 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 um, that's why I didn't do do both. Mm -hmm. I I think I cared about so much about my job. I really don't think I could have focused on both. Mm -hmm. I I really needed to focus on my children. Um, So, you know, but some people, I think, uh, I have, you know, my roommate from college is, uh, um, she worked her entire time and had a nanny. And I think that was, was what was right for her because that, um, she really loved her work so much and, and she managed to do it all. I don't know how she did it, but she managed to do it all. Uh, but it, it, I think she was probably under a lot more stress than I was. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of glad I didn't have to have all that stress, but, uh, she's here to, you know, she's, she's doing great today. And, and, uh, you know, it just depends on what's right for you as a mom and, or, and as a, someone in your career, um, you have to find the balance. And, and I think it's wonderful. To, we are so lucky as women to be able to give birth and have this enormous responsibility 
Um, yeah, we have our, you know, spouses are our dads and they have responsibility, of course. But I, I just think it's wonderful to have that um, option to be able to work or stay at home or do both. But it's, you know, it's, it's hard, though, for some people, they can't afford to stay at home when they'd like to. Um, there used to be a time that you, you could stay at home and you could afford to stay at home, but you couldn't work. Right. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's funny, but I think of, I think we're, we're evolving to a point where we're going to be able to balance it better with maybe more help, uh, from our, from our friends or from our neighbors, mm-hmm. from our families, um, maybe a little more help from the government. I don't like making the government larger and as a Republican, right. um, but maybe there are um, ways we can, can do that to um, make, make it a better balance for families. Cause, cause families are so important. Having a strong family helps um, helps our children and our children are our future. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. I love the way you said that. Yeah, um, so. <laughs> you're so welcome. <laughs> Chevy Chase Women's Republican Club has held many events around the world designed to help with political campaigns and educate members on political issues. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite events that we talked about before was Let's Talk Politics. Please let our listeners know about some of the events that um, the club has coming up, if if anyone would like to participate. Usually, uh, well, once a month, we have a happy hour where uh, currently, well, we're hoping this Friday, actually, to go to the Wind Ridge Vineyards to mm. just have a glass of wine uh, together outdoors. Uh, because of COVID-19, it's a little harder to find events uh, to go to. But we are planning to have our annual meeting. We're looking at November 11th or ele- November 18th, and it'll be a, probably a lunch meeting. We're doing a lot to get ready for the, for the election as well. Uh, where we, Today, we prayed for our, our president, and then we met for lunch afterwards outdoors. Uh, so we try to do a lot to help with the campaign. People who are interested should uh, reach out to me. My email, uh, is it okay to say my email address? Of course, yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, it's Lori, L-A-U-R-I-E-S as in Sam, Halverson, H-A-L-V-E-R-S-O-N at gmail.com. You can just email me and I will connect you uh, with, uh, with information about our club and how to join. And I can send you an, uh, a newsletter to give you an idea of some of the activities that we do. So uh, right. we'd love to have, have more members. It's always good to have more members. We get involved in the state uh, legislation as well and mm-hmm. get together with all the other uh, members in the state and have a wonderful brunch in Annapolis. And hopefully we'll be able to do that. And, uh, you know, it's fun. Are there any social media links you want to share? Um, yes, we have a, um, the webpage is through mcfrw.org. Uh, we also have a Montgomery County Federation of Republican Women Facebook page. We also have uh, a Chevy Chase Women's Republican Club Facebook page. If you just type women, uh, Chevy Chase Women's Republican Club on your uh, Facebook search engine, you'll find it. Um, so I hope everyone enjoyed today's episode of Cooper and Company. Thank you again to our guest, Lori Halverson. If you would like to contact our show, you can email us at Company at gmail.com. A huge thank you to Cindy Lynn, our associate producer for the show, and our sponsor, 1-800-FLORALS. Don't forget to use the link in our show notes to place an order today. Remember, 
Don't wait for the change. Be the change you wish to see in the world. 